like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. In this episode, we're discussing the ambiguous nature of cultivating your business's culture. Here's what's coming up. I know that because I've, I've lived in this world without a good culture in my business, and it always seemed like I was chasing my tail. It was like whack-a-mole. I'd whack one problem down, another one would pop back up again. Ultimately, it was the culture, establishing a good culture, establishing a culture based around positivity and around support, supporting each other, but being the best as well. That kind of set our business a little bit more on autopilot. The culture, culture corrects when we have problems. The culture corrects even me. When, I, when I'm not on point, when I'm not living up to my own values, the team will correct me. So it can do everything, everything for your business. I think it's the key between uh, kind of success and true success, honestly. For a better business, a better life, and a better industry, the Institute's Leading Edge. Welcome to the Leading Edge. This is going to be episode number 28, and it is about cultivating culture. I've got some awesome guys here uh, who have really good culture in their businesses. Um, we've got Tom Lambert from Shatree Automotive. We have Kelly Shelton from The Shop, Patrick McHugh from Beamer Rescue, and Corey Hugh, I hope I'm saying that right, from Alberta Asian. Are you the? Are you in the Asian shop instead of the European? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the Asian shop, yep. Okay, I didn't know which one it was gonna be. Um, glad to have you guys, really excited about this topic. Um, I've had a, a bunch of people asking me about it um, especially in recent classes, we even we, Tom in that last class that we had, there was a lot of that discussion going on because it was about communication. But culture tends to get involved in every aspect of the business. So the very first question I'd love to start with, uh, and Tom, I think you can take this one away, is going to be what qualifies as culture? Culture to me is uh, values, beliefs, behaviors that. Uh, that determine how myself and my team interact with others is kind of the way I view culture. It's kind of like a, it's it, in basic terms, it's almost the feel like you should, you should be able to walk into my office and feel that it's a, a fun environment. So culture to me is the kind of a feel, but, but the actual term values, beliefs, uh, behaviors that determine how you inter interact and treat others is, is kind of the official way I would explain it. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, spot on. I think culture is, if I have my own personality, walking around how I talk to people, how I, how I act, how I live, culture is a collective personality. It's the personality of my business. Um, it's a thing that you cannot see. It's a thing you can only feel when you walk in the door. Ellie, what, what do you think? I mean, this is, I, I really want to get some ideas of, of, kind of defining what culture is because it is this ambiguous thing. Well, I mean, I think, I think Tom and Patrick kind of nailed it. You know, it's, it's the, <laughs> it's the environment, you know, it's, um, it's the feeling it's, it's how everybody kind of perceives the, you know, perceives their work. Um, it's, you know, it's that kind of excitement to, to be there every day. It's, you know, the team, it's, you know, this group, I don't know, the group feel. The group feel. Corey, being a technician, what what do you how, what do you think culture or co what qualifies as culture to you? Well, I, I really do think Tom hit it right on the head where uh, he said that your value in beliefs and how you interact socially with your team is what qualifies as culture. I mean, 
I, I stepped from a very different background coming from a dealership. Uh, that's where I've spent the majority of my career. Now that I, now that I've changed directions and done a complete 180 now working at a smaller shop where uh, I feel like a team, uh, feel like a family member and the culture has, it has changed entirely. So it's, it's what, it's what your group of uh, coworkers value. It's what we believe in and, and how we interact on a daily basis. I love that. I've heard a lot of, uh, it's how people interact. It's our personality. It's the environment. It's the perception of our business. How, what, what factors do you guys think can affect your culture? Chiropractor. A anybody? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think there's a lot of factors that everything you do factors into your, your culture, but it starts, it, it, it always starts with the, with the leader. Um, I know, uh, I always pick on the leaders and the owners of the shops first, but, uh, it's up to us to set the vision and set the, set the mood. So, uh, I think the biggest factors that influence the culture is it comes right from us as the, as the owners, uh, what we, what we believe, uh, we better believe in it strong enough to where we convince everybody else to believe in similar things as far as how you treat people and stuff like that. And, and even how the day is supposed to go, you know, so, uh, that's, that's, that's my opinion on that one. Yeah. hundred percent belief system. I, I agree with that, you know, and it's, even though us as, as leaders or owners sort of set that, um, you know, it's also sort of cultivating the team to, that that wants to believe the same thing, you know, and as a team where, you know, we all buy into it so so hard. We come up, came up with the vision, came up with the, you know, what we want to accomplish as a team, and only bring people in that want the same things, or believe the same things. So is it is it just the the owner that's in charge of kind of making sure that culture is being guided in the right way? I wouldn't say it's just the owner, um, but that's where it starts. You know, it's everybody's job. You know what I mean? You've got to make sure that uh, you speak of it often enough uh, with your team to know that that's, that should be very, it's very important to me. So everybody, we talk about it a lot in my shop. So uh, my team, it's, it's up to them to carry out the culture as well. But, uh, but it starts with me. Uh, as I, I kind of take that on as, uh, as one of my tasks to make sure that, uh, the right Tom shows up as owner every day so that uh, the fill in the office starts off right with me. If I come in as honorary guy every day, it's kind of hard to preach that we have this fun, exciting culture if uh, honorary Tom shows up. So <laughs> if you're not fun and exciting, <laughs> honorary Tom stays home. So, <laughs> so I'll go ahead. I was going to say going on that, we, we have, you know, a policy that, if, you know, if you're, if you're in a bad mood when you come in, you know, then just take the day off because it sort of affects the, the culture of everyone and everybody kind of, everybody agrees to that. You know, they're going to, they're going to come in and be a hundred percent every day or, you know, they're just going to stay home. So. What is, what do you guys believe culture can do? So say you do have a really good culture and it's been cultivated. What can that do for your business? I'll step in on that one. I think it can do everything for your business. I think it's often the missing link in a lot of things. Uh, <clears throat> and I know that because I've, I've lived in this world without a good culture in my business. And it always seemed like I was 
I was chasing my tail or I would, I would it was like whack-a-mole. I'd whack one problem down, another one would pop back up again. And ultimately, it was the culture, um, establishing a good culture, establishing a culture based around positivity and around support, supporting each other, but being the best as well, that, that kind of set our business a little bit more on autopilot. The culture, culture corrects when we have problems. The culture um, corrects even me when I when I'm not on point, when I'm not living up to my own my own values. Um, the guy, the team will will correct me. So it can do everything, everything for your business. I think it's the key between uh, kind of success and true success. Honestly, it really is. Every, you know, you guys are going to deal with the same issues and same problems on kind of a day daily or weekly basis. That you're always going to have problems that spring up. But the way that you guys handle those problems really defines success. Right? I want to share one quick thing with you, and this is totally what's going to. Uh, this is a little picture of. Well, I, I can't sent me that. A little picture of a conversation that went got, went on when I was out of town, and it goes. It's going back and forth between Anna, our service advisor, and Gareth, who's who's one of our, our lead technicians in the back. And Gareth says, "Anna, good job up there today. Remind us in the morning on your must-have cars. That means cars that must be done that day. We're pushing for 215 hours this week to hit bonus. We're trying to strategize and get a little more tactical on how we knock our work out." Then Anna says. Thank you. Yes, I'm working on that. Uh, we're gonna change the board around. They're 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 they are uh, strategizing now. They're they're working together as a team in a way that I I've never seen before in a shop. Solving problems on their own because they're all working together much much better. Communicating better. It's huge. It's huge. I was so proud to see that text message while I was gone. So. <laughs> I know. Go I was hoping you would show that during the show because you sent it to me and you were like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. <laughs> yep. um, so so communication. How does how do you guys fit communication into your culture or vice versa? Um, I think meeting regularly and, um, you know, setting goals as a team. Um, I mean, one thing that we do is, which I mean, I, I think everybody should be doing is once a week, you know, right at the beginning of the week, Monday, we have a, a lunch meeting and we sit down, eat lunch, and we take our, our top three problems that we need to fix and and we, we fix them. And, you know, we follow up with, with that throughout the week and, and find the next thing that we have to fix and giving everybody that, that ability to sort of determine what we need to do as a group um, helps keep us on the right track and meeting new milestones. Corey, how does how does communication fit in with your culture? Well, right now, um, because we're such a smaller group, uh, just the three of us in the shop here, we're we're quite intimate, so we interact closely on a daily basis. Um, any any issues that arise in the shop or up front get dealt with almost immediately. Um, but I mean, if if I'm going to compare to what I'm used to. Uh, I was in an environment where I would see my service manager once a week, maybe once every two weeks, depending on on what I messed up or what I didn't do properly. Whereas now it's uh, I'm getting I'm getting more one-on-one -on -one time with my manager, and I'm also getting more of a direction to to go and where I can improve on certain aspects of my job and what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, very very personal. Very personal, intimate group right here, right now. So what what are some of the experiences that you've had that show really an issue with the culture in a company? And this could be for anybody. 
I've had all kinds of issues with that. I, uh, it all starts at the very, very beginning of hiring people and, and, and hiring for personality and culture fit and for attitude above skill. Um, and I, I've screwed that up before. And uh, it, it causes nothing but discord um, when, when you've got somebody there that doesn't have the attitude that matches the attitude in the rest of the shop. And uh, we, you know, we've had to let people go because of this. And um, it, I, it, I, I carry that on my shoulders because I hired that person that we let go. Um, so it starts at the, at the very, very beginning, um, having the right people there. Yeah, I'm going through uh, interview process myself right now. We're expanding the Institute team. And it really does play in so much. That, that is such a huge thing. When I'm interviewing, I know everybody that I bring in at this point, when they come in for an, a personal interview, I know that they can do the job. They've got the skills, they have the resume, they have the experience, but really that interview is for me to determine whether or not they're gonna fit our culture, it, whether they have the right attitude, the right perspective on things, whether they've mm -hmm. got drive and passion to do more than really what the basic, base uh, requirements are, right? Um, Tom, what are some of the things you look for when you do interview uh, for new potential teammates yeah you guys hit it spot on so i think that might be the first or second uh, line out of my mouth when i'm sitting somebody down whenever i bring somebody in for an interview uh you know i come and sit them down and it's uncomfortable so i i usually lead off with hey sit down relax uh this is going to be an easy interview because all i'm really doing here is uh determining if you uh have some basic knowledge but more importantly if you're somebody I want to hang out with every day. So don't be nervous and weird because I'm trying to figure out if I like you or not. And, uh, so we'll usually joke around a little bit. But but I 100% hire off a of culture. Uh, skill is nice, but uh, my theory is uh, we're pretty good at training, right, Kent? So we can train oh, yeah. just about anybody to be an advisor, yeah. but I cannot train somebody how to be a good person. Like if uh, I've got my own kids and I, I – I'm proud of them. I've done a good job, but uh, I can't parent. Uh, I can't parent adults. I just don't have that in me. If you, if your parents haven't taught you how to just be a good, honest person, I just don't feel like I personally have learned that skill set yet in life to teach that to you. So you have to come to me, being a hard worker. You got to be honest. You've just got to be a real good person. The rest of the stuff, I can teach you how to be a tech. I can teach you how to be an advisor. Uh, you know, Lisa is a good example. Lisa runs this shop for me. Uh, so good that uh, I'm an absentee owner now. I don't have to be here. Uh, less than 10 years ago, uh, she was a realtor, came to me and sat down and, uh, you know, couldn't even tell me what a tie rod was or if her car had one. You know, now she runs uh, what I feel is one of the most successful and productive crews in our area. So... And I hired her based off of just, she's just awesome. You know, she's Lisa. She's just probably the most honest person I know. Actually. So. so so what are some of the red flags that may or may not be as a parent when doing these interviews that determine whether or not they do fit your culture? Let me hop on this one if you don't mind. So mine is very, very easy and very, very simple and very shocking when you do it. We just hired a service advisor um, and I, I go through uh, about 50 different resumes and and I, I call most of them and to, to do an initial interview. And in the interview, this one question basically answers just about everything I need to know about whether we're going to move forward or not. I pick up the phone and say, hello, this is Patrick from Bimmer Rescue calling to do your phone interview. How's your day going? And then I just shut up. And it just shocks me how many people will say, like, 
Oh, same shit, different day, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And um, you can tell right away the standouts, the ones who say, great, I'm excited. I, I want, I'm so excited that you called. I cannot wait to talk with you. What, what do I need to do? You know, those people are the ones that go on the pile. And I can tell very quickly the people who are excited to be there and who want it. Yeah, the, my, my opening question is, is um, you know, obviously, how are you doing today? But the one that I really hit home the very first is, uh, do you know who we are and what we do? Mm-hmm. And that right there, they'll either say, it looks like you guys do consulting and it looks like you do some education. And then there's others who come in and say, it looks like you guys are, are trying to impact the industry. It looks like you're really trying to help people out. And yes. those are the people I'd like to bring in and talk to because they see what we're trying to do. Yep. There's also there's also one where I'll show, like if I do they do come in for an interview I'll show them one of our like because right now we're doing a, a marketing person we're finding a marketing coordinator so to be in house and I'll show them some of our marketing and say what do you think and let them just kind of tell me right some of them are like oh that's beautiful that's amazing you guys are doing really good and I'm like no tell me nope. what <laughs> it can always be better tell me how you think we could do it better but yeah. I always leave it up to them. That's um, funny. Well, awesome. Corey, what are you looking for in teammates? Because you guys are, are small now, but I'm, I'm assuming you're going to grow. No yeah, like. absolutely. Well, I think Tom made a really good point where, uh, you know, you really have to be surrounded in an environment where you're happy and you can get along with your coworkers every day. Uh, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing really that puts me off from a company other than having negativity in the shop or negativity at work. I mean, vice versa for when you come home, like I don't want to bring any negativity back there to, you know, induce on my wife or kids and vice versa. Like I don't want to come to work being that negative person because of issues I'm having at home. I want to make sure that I can gel and, and grow a, a happy, um, a happy environment for everybody that I'm surrounded by at work. What, why do you think, why do you think people sit in bad cultures? Why do you think, people will stay in those bad environments. I, I think it's because, you know, the, the negativity has gotten them in a, into, a, into a feeling where they're stuck in a rut. They feel like they can't get out of that rut. All right. <laughs> That's perfect right there, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just, I want to move into, uh, we've kind of talked about how, defining culture, what, what it really means um, to kind of put shape to it. At this point, how, how do we change? How do we shift from a bad culture to a good culture? I know a lot of you guys have been able to do that and have done so very successfully. I'd love to know um, a little bit about that process. For, um, for well, no, go ahead, sorry. I mean, I think, I think for me it started um, when we defined what our what our vision was, you know, when we defined where we wanted to go as a business and, you know, we, some of us that, that had this discussion are no longer with us and some of them are. And, you know, I was able to, well, we were able to, to see who really wanted to go down, down this path. And we've always had, we've always had fun at work, but um, I think getting more structured and putting like systems and processes in place, getting like, everybody focused on the same thing, accomplishing the same goal, uh, really kind of led us down that right path. Does that make sense? Um, for me, it started with, uh, 
for me, fixing our culture, it, it was all, it was all me, honestly. Um, uh, stressed out Tom can really kind of be an ass. Uh, so if my stress levels get too high, I just don't have the skill set to hide that. Uh, I'd get a little intense. So for me, I've got I I have to I had to figure myself out enough to know what I could and couldn't do. Um, so when I'm put in a situation uh, that I, is not a strong suit for me. Uh, I've learned to, you know, I, I call it, I, I think of life and business as a game. So I, I just rig the game. So I always win. I just don't put myself in those situations. But for me, I really had to balance the financial side. Uh, I ran a business for, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 25 years of being here. My dad started this business. We were always really good about taking care of our customers, but always really bad about taking care of ourselves. And if you're not taking care of yourselves, you don't have the finances to take proper care of your team. So it just wasn't that win-win-win that uh, that we've loaned or learned to love now. So for me, once I once I learned how to balance the financial part and was no longer having that stress of gosh, am I going to be able to make payroll or or holy cow, we messed up this five hundred dollar job. You know what am I going to do now that the financial part burdens away? Uh, my stress levels are way low, and then I can actually spend time thinking of the things. Uh, digging into my vision, you know, for, for the longest time, I had no idea why I was doing this. So imagine being on a team working for me, trying to figure out what the heck I wanted if I didn't know what I wanted, right? So, so for me, step one was balancing my business financially. Step two was figuring out uh, all that touchy-feely stuff that, uh, <laughs> that I never learned, you know, the vision stuff. It took me a year and a half to figure out my vision because I didn't know why the heck I was doing this, to be honest. So, Luckily, I figured that out. I love it, and now uh, I know exactly why I'm doing it, uh, and so it's easy for me to explain to my team, this is what I'm doing, this is why, follow me, and it's easy. It's, it's, it, it feels right, so, so that's how I fixed mine, uh, kind of fixed, did some soul search and fixed myself, I guess, is a shorter answer for that long explanation. I feel like that's, that's a common issue with a lot of businesses, not, not just in ours, but in general, is if you're, if you're not... If you're not willing to love yourself and take care of yourself, that actually does bleed into everything else. You might have a big heart and you might tear, take care of your clients and customers, uh, but when you can't take care of yourself, a lot of that, it's almost cancerous. It can really eat away at the company and your employees and everyone else, even though you don't intend to. So, I think I had to learn how to be a better servant to my people and learn how to say yes to them whenever they needed just about anything. Um, a big marker in time for us was food. Um, we just started doing lunch every day, and I started paying for that and buying groceries and having my guys, we all cooked together. It cost me probably $15,000 this year, but, um, oh, man, it's worth every penny. It's worth tenfold, honestly, um, in the gains we get from from sharing a meal as a tribe together, um, there's something primal about sharing food with people that that builds culture. There's a reason we sit down at the table at Thanksgiving and Christmas with our families. There's a reason we do family dinners. Just start doing that here, and and it really, really, really was a marker in time that from then on forth the culture grew. So that was huge for us. I love that. I love it. it's like something. There's something primal about that. It's true. It's true. Sharing, offering food to somebody over and over again in, in animals builds trust. 
how do you think we train dogs? How do you think we, we, we learn to trust each other? I mean, it's a strange way to put it. I'm, it's not like I look at people that way, but, but it's a, it's a human instinct to that when you repeatedly share food with somebody, they slowly become your friend and they slowly become part of your tribe. So it, it kind of opens it up for a more casual communication too. For sure. You guys aren't necessarily like, this is a meeting, we're going through these things, mm-hmm. but it's more of an open conversation where people feel a little more like they can express themselves, right? Yeah, we call it a sneak meeting. It's kind of sneaky, but you don't think <laughs> it's a meeting, but it is. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm writing that down. I've been taking notes this whole time. You guys have said a bunch of really good stuff, so I'd love to use that sneak meeting. Um, so how have how, – how are you guys – kind of communicating your culture within your systems and processes. Let's let's get into some more applicable stuff mm-hmm. as far as how to actually start cultivating that culture within your business. Well, our first part was to put it like on our shirt. I don't know if you can see the back of my shirt, but uh, we wear it around on our backs. <laughs> so, um, you know, that stuff, that, that. that stuff reflects through our whole, our whole culture. Uh, I did a, um, I took our all of our manuals. It used to say the word customer in there, and uh, and we're better than that. Our cl- our people are clients, so they're not customers anymore. I did a word search and I re- did find and replace every time I said the word customer in all my documents. I replaced the word client, um, you know, stuff like that. I, you know, using the word team, uh, just the words in your processes can mean a lot. I think. I love that, Corey. How has how has some of your systems and processes expressed your culture? Well, I, I think coming into a, a brand new building and brand new shop, uh, we didn't really have any processes outlined. And um, uh, talking to Mike, he got the idea from Patrick to use that board so we can see what work is coming in every day, uh, how we're going to uh, tackle the workload coming in to get that done in an efficient manner. Um, so, I mean, just implementing that process to have that little, not, not necessarily a morning meeting. We'll, we'll, use the, we'll use the term sneak meeting, I guess. So I come in in the morning, I, I talk to Mike. Hey, Mike, what do we have going on this morning? Okay, perfect. Let's, let's formulate a plan to get that done. And, and I think that as we grow, we can, we can try to maintain that, that system and procedure. Whereas, therefore, everybody moving forward is on the same page each morning. Uh, that brings a positive work environment and, and grows the culture in a, in a positive manner. Awesome. Kelly, how are, how are you guys doing it? What are, what, what's an example of, of one process uh, that you guys have that's communicating and pushing your culture? Well, so, I mean, I don't know if it's specific to, like, one process. I, I think that, I think that have, like, every process plays factor in it for me. Um, I, I've, I feel like one way of of killing a culture is by not having a direction, like not having, not knowing the answer, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to handle something. Um, and any time that there's that doubt, then you know, people, I feel like people feel uneasy, and uh, you know, it uh, raises some issues. And so, you know, we try to outline everything. You know, I mean, from how to answer the phone to how, like what a procedure for pushing in a car, you know, or, or I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I know your dad always jokes about uh, having a procedure for changing. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, but the point to that is that 
it gets everything always happens the way that it should happen because everybody does everything the same way. And not only is that good just from the sales perspective, but like I said, if, if everybody is, they, they know what to do, then, you know, then they're in a better mood and, I don't know, just keeps everybody happier. I think Kelly said something great. When just, just the way you answer the phone, the script that you use to answer the phone can broadcast your culture at the very instant, the very second that a client calls you for the very first time. Uh, would you rather hear on the telephone, hey, this is Rick's, or would you rather hear, thank you for calling Rex. This is Patrick. How can I help you today? You know, the, the second guy broadcasted his – they both broadcasted culture, but which one's the good culture? Yeah. I often, every time, you know, just being in class with my dad and everybody, like, for years, it's a big thing for any time I'm on the phone with anybody before a meeting, before a call, whatever, I take a breath and I put a big old smile on my face because you can hear the difference – in, in yep. the way you're speaking. And just that minor change really expresses a different personality to people. Yep, absolutely. Tom, do you have any processes or systems you, you put in place specifically to communicate your culture? Yeah, and the one that I, uh, that I control the most, uh, I'm the marketing guy here, is kind of my mm. sole, well, I shouldn't say my sole responsibility, but my biggest responsibility so uh, culture plays into my marketing pieces a lot. Uh, I got good, happy people around here. Uh, we're super productive, but we all can get our work done and have a good time. And th that balance is very important to me and everybody that comes to work for me. So if I'm going to have good, happy people in my office and in my shop, I want good, happy people coming in to visit us, right? I want my clients to be just just good, happy people. So my marketing uh, messages, I try to portray that. You know, we a uh, uh, good example is we always wear goofy Christmas sweaters, uh, you know, ugly Christmas sweaters. I actually send that direct mail, uh, borderline inappropriate sweater wearing to attract, you know, it might, you know, we've had this discussion. Uh, it will, some of our marketing pieces might even push a couple of people away, but that's all right. If you're that serious, then I'm hoping yep. there's enough good, happy people out there that will will come in and support us, uh, so that we can just have a good time. You know, we're, we're we obviously focus on quality and production and everything, but you can do both. So, I market to good, happy people. Uh, believe it or not, it can be done. A lot of shop owners think that you just have to take whoever walks in your door or calls you on your phone. I promise you, that's not true. Uh, my customers around here are as good as you'll find because uh, I've purposely set out to find them. I love that. We're going to get into marketing and uh, in a second here. And speaking of marketing, I'm going to take a short commercial break. <laughs> we have two classes coming up. Uh, one is on June 29th and 30th, so the end of this month. It's about making the shop easier to run. It is a systems and processes class. Everything you need to develop this, you know, uh, how to run your business so that it, it runs on autopilot. So that you can be like Tom and be an absentee owner and get to go play and golf all the time. <laughs> it seems like you're always golfing. So, um, And then the second class is a company culture class that uh, really about exactly what we're talking about, how to uh, navigate the ambiguity of culture and how to really fine-tune it and put it in a direction that you want for your company. 
Um, and that is going to be on July 13th and 14th. You guys can register at ifrave.com forward slash classes. You can also see the other classes that we have there, but I'm only going to take the time for these two. So getting into marketing here, um, because this really now we've, we've kind of spent the first half of this defining what it means for your business and what it means for your team. And this, this next half, I'd really like to get into how you guys are expressing your culture, what it means to your clientele, and how it can really affect, one, the clients that are coming in, um, as well as that entire acquisition, how, how you're spreading yourself in the market. I've got a, a kind of thing I've started recently. I always make sure any marketing piece we have always has a picture of our faces on it and the team standing together. And I make a very careful when we take the picture that we're all hugging, that we're all like together. So many shops, you look at their marketing and the people are like, doo, 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 and it's, they're like not even looking, you know, it looks miserable. We are like this with big smiles. I have the photographer who's taking the photo, who's usually just the guy down the street. I have him, I tell him to just keep snapping the photo, the shutter the whole time while he's saying one, two, three, say cheese. He's just going click, 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 click. Cause before and after you take the photo, everyone laughs and like does stupid stuff. And that's like <laughs> when the best photos come out, we put those photos on our website. If you go to bimrescue.com, you'll see like one, one of my favorite photos we've ever taken is like splattered across the main page. And you can, you can see culture there. You can see who the funny guy is. You can see who the goofy character is. And, it, it's very magnetic. I love it. I, I've seen a lot of your advertisements. They're, they're wonderful. Kelly, what are you doing? I've, well, I think, yeah, I think visually, um, you know, doing stuff like photos, group pictures is, is very important. I mean, if, if any business doesn't have their team on the front page and they're, they're not proud of that, then, well, I mean, that's a culture killer in itself. Um, but, I mean, also, I think something that we've tried to start do, doing recently is, is more video stuff um, because you can, with videos, you can kind of capture people's personality. You know, it's, it's hard to do that with text or just a picture, you know, but like um, back in February, we started doing our, uh, like a monthly referral giveaway and you know, I got that idea from Tom, thanks. Um, and so we announced it by coming up with well we all decide on what we're going to give away and most of the time we decide on what we're going to give away by what kind of stupid video we can make to to promote it you know <laughs> and so it's like backwards first but then we're like oh that's really cool but then everybody likes it and we can just sort of shoot something short and, and dumb but all the guys love it and you kind of can see their personality you could see you know who likes to party um, who the more straight-laced, serious people are, and that's uh, pretty pretty apparent. So yeah, video marketing is, is is huge. Yeah, I think I think more authentic videos, right? Mm -hmm. um, Patrick, you were talking about having that shutter just go while you guys are kind of getting set up and all of that. Um, I've seen a, a big difference, like in the videos that you guys are doing. If it's more lighthearted if it's more authentic and it's kind of not like we're trying to be perfect then it, it actually is much more effective than if mm -hmm. you've got a really nice polished here's a written script here's that's actually why we do the videos that we do is i, I just kind of ramble and yeah. we cut it together you know because it's more authentic you know For sure we try to do all of our 
cheesy Bimoreski man, which is the superhero guy with the cape and the little thing, all in a, min a maximum of two takes. We'll do one take, it won't work right, and then we do it in two takes. That's it. We don't work at it for hours. We just kind of, it's kind of rough around the edges, and I think people like that. Yeah, there's there's times where I've done I've done like 80 takes on something, and I'll just like, <laughs> no, we're not using it at all because yeah. now it's now it's just feeling forced at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, how I know you're 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 in the back and stuff, but how do you think uh, your marketing with your? Because I've seen the videos that you guys have been putting out, and they are awesome. I really like a lot of it is in the back too. It's it's in the shop. It's with you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, like I said, because we are such a smaller group, we, we do have the time for either Mike or the social media team to come out back, uh, do some videos while we're actually doing the work. I mean, not necessarily some of it. It's not, it's not really scripted, but we are kind of just given some direction to go with in order to get that video done. Um, as, as far as a marketing standpoint, you know, being in the back, unfortunately, I don't get to see what kind of effect that does have on our clientele. Um, but in the, in the few months that I have been here, um, I have been able to see increased growth uh, month over month and even week over week. So uh, either we're doing something right with giving the clients the service that they require or um, we are getting them in somehow with the marketing. Tom? Uh, yeah, I already kind of snuck in uh, ahead on the, on the talking about culture and marketing, but I, I guess one point that I want to bring up to everybody is, uh, just because we're, uh, so I think the bulk of the panel, um, uh, kind of has similar cultures. We, we like to get things done. We like to have a good time just because that's our culture doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be everybody else's culture. Right? So if you are just a serious guy, all the time don't market that you're this great fun person and then have that person show up and not be what they expected so so when you when it comes to culture and marketing make sure you are marketing your culture don't be marketing my culture if your culture is i'm serious all the time i'm the absolute best in the world kind of thing um because if that's you there's plenty of people out there that love that too so uh be you and make sure you market that because that's 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 the key to marketing is whatever we portray to the customer that we are we've only got a few seconds of them walking in our door for them to feel what we marketed to them is real if not we've already lied to them so uh that's that's what i call throwing your service advisors under the bus if you're <laughs> you're bringing in customers thinking you're giving them a and then they walk in and immediately they see b your advisors already got to overcome an objection that shouldn't be there so make sure you're marketing who you are. Uh, who you are is who you are. You know, just because I'm, I'm the way I am doesn't mean that's the way you need to be. There's plenty of different ways to be successful in a in a shop environment. So stay true to what you are. Yeah, be authentic. Be real. Be yourself. Don't try to be anybody else. It's it's one of those cheesy things, but uh, it really it really has an impact. Like you're talking about bringing in qualified leads that are actually gonna you know meet the expectation that you put out there. Yeah. Corey, I want to go back to uh, you. I was I was thinking, what? Because you you had noticed a change. What have you seen as far as you know the type of work that's been coming in with this big you know shift in your marketing and bringing in more qualified leads? 
you know, are you guys doing more work as in like selling more that you've been able to find or? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of both. Um, we, we do see new customers pretty much on a daily basis now. And then uh, with the work and the multi-point inspection that we lay out for them, uh, it, it's very um, it's very friendly in a sense that they get to see visually any of the findings that we've noted on that inspection. So because they can physically see it, I think it's a much easier upsell for, for Mike to make up front. So the customer can actually see, for example, how badly that oil pan is leaking, um, that, that CV boot is tore open. So it, it just makes it that much easier for the sell, right? I love that. Um, it, do, you guys, do you guys think there might be too much focus on culture, that you can no. be too culture-focused? No. I think, <laughs> you could, I think you could be too focused on anything. You know, some people can get super focused on on one thing and then forget about all the other things. It would be pretty hard um, to be too focused on culture, but at the same time, uh, we've seen it all in the shops we go into is some people get super, if somebody was, if there was a shop owner that's gonna get super micro-focused on something, then I would hope it would be culture, but I still believe that uh, you can focus too much on it because then it's almost forced instead of uh, more natural, I guess. You know, here's a crazy thought, too, and we do this in our shop a bit. You can delegate some of these cultural tasks. Like, I'm not a wizard at creating culture, per se, but I've got this technician that works for me named Gareth, and he's one of our lead techs. And this guy plays on soccer teams. He has put together soccer teams that have gone and won, uh, won championships and stuff. This guy, knows, Gareth, knows how to create culture, and he knows how to maintain and nurture it. In many ways, I kind of let him run with his ideas. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of great ideas came from him. Don't feel like you need to be the, the epicenter of culture in your own shop. I mean, I'm here to make sure it's happening and make sure it's the culture I like and, and make sure it's going in the right direction. But you don't have to do it all yourself. I'm sure you all look around in your shops. There's probably one or two guys floating around in your shop that are just kind of social butterflies already and, and, and very culturally aware and culturally intelligent, I guess, would be the word. You, you can kind of delegate some of this stuff to them. So how does, how does having, you know, them take over these, these aspects, how does that affect your team dynamic? Well, I think it, it, it enriches it, it because, because they have ownership of it. It's not, so I learned this funny term. It's called, it's called Mando fun, mandatory fun. Uh, they, my buddy complains about this at the Navy because they do these barbecues that they make everyone go to and no one wants to go and they get forced to go to this dumb barbecue. It's mandatory fun. Sometimes I think if you try to force this culture on your own shop, it can backfire and it can just be like waste. Whereas if it's their idea, if they say we want to do this, this thing, and you just let them run with it and empower them, I think that you can build a better stronger, firmer culture because your people have ownership, more ownership in it than otherwise. Just just thinking of the mandatory, um, have there been, what, what are some of the objections you guys may have had or resistance you've had when implementing changes in your culture? <laughs> I'm having a problem right now with meetings, with, with, um, with guys not joining us for lunch. We've got a couple people who are just very, very hard workers and I can't fault them for it, but they're they're starting to kind of eat at their desks a little more or showing up late to the lunch thing and kind of diluting 
the the very um, purpose of of eating together at lunch. So um, it, it's hard. It's hard to to stand there and tell a guy, "Hey, stop working. Stop making us money. You need to come. You need to come to lunch." But at some point, I will have to sit down and, and explain why it's important. What is important about big picture um, eating together like that? So that's a struggle I'm having right now. Is just getting complete 100% buy-in on the importance of sitting together at lunch, everybody, not just techs, you know, everybody in the whole company. Maybe you could show them this podcast. And yeah, it might, <laughs> might help. <laughs> Tom, what about you? Yeah, mine, he, he, he stole the thunder there. Mine's almost the exact same thing. Uh, culture's great. I've got a couple guys that are uh, probably the two easiest going guys in the shop, but same thing. They're a little reluctant to... Uh, share ideas in the team meeting and uh, they're usually the ones to wander in five ten minutes late which mm. you choose your battles right it's not not a huge deal but uh uh but you know they've been they've been with me a long time and i've probably talked to them the least just because they're just it's just not their thing uh one thing that helped me is i recently had my cute wife start working here that is super approachable and uh since my wife's been here i think i've talked to these two guys more in the last six months than the prior seven years they worked for me so it was kind of funny i was actually nervous to do that bringing a family dynamic i was worried about what it would do to the culture and it actually uh made it 10 times better turns out uh turns out i'm you know i'm a little nicer guy to get along with when i've when i've got my wife around she keeps me, keeps me <laughs> checked. so so uh, not necessarily really an objection but there's always going to be little hurdles to get pushed through and it's never going to be perfect but you know you just got to Got to keep working at it a little bit. Yeah. Kelly, have you had some? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we actually, we were talking about this before the podcast even started. I think the biggest objection is that not everybody always sees eye to eye on everything. And, you know, the way that we tend to, to go about implementing stuff or solving problems is talking about it, you know, posing uh, uh, an issue, a suggestion, or a problem, and then coming up with a solution or a plan together. And, you know, I think that most of where the objection comes isn't to solving the problem, but it's like how to solve the problem or how to implement something. Cause you know, one, one guy will have a different idea, but eventually we all agree on something and, and then it works out. And if we do it for a certain period of time and don't get the results that we want, then, yeah, we just go back to the drawing board and we'll figure out how to do it a different way. So. I feel a lot of the time that you guys don't, you know, necessarily, when you don't see eye to eye, like just in, in a general sense, it tends to be people are getting lost in the uh, minutia, in the, in the really fine details, and they're missing the overall picture. Because there's a lot of times when I've, you know, been like, oh, I don't really like that, but whatever decision we make still helps our, our actual goal here, our, our main goal here. And you'll compromise and all of that. And I think a lot of those little little um, conflicts are about things that don't really matter as much as you're making it out to be. Right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so how have you guys... How are you guys celebrating success in your in your shops? How how is how has your culture come into playing with with the success in your shop? 
going out in the next couple of weeks and we're going skeet shooting with the whole team. We got a bunch of guys that are into hunting and stuff and um, a couple of people who have never tried it but are interested. So we're going to go shoot clay pigeons in the next couple of weeks just for fun because we have just killed it. We've had a record month after record month and our guys are, are tired and they deserve a little something fun. Um, so we're going to yeah. do that. We also do weird, um, like uh, we did, um, we brought in um, – uh, bison or what was it uh, some kind of strange like um, wild game meat that we all cooked one day we'll, we'll do weird like really nice steaks or something like that you know again there's my food thing but uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited about, I'm, I'm excited about this clay pigeon shooting thing I think it's way fun sounds, that sounds awesome <laughs> so. Tom I know you just did an event um, you're involving you know, a lot of the community in, in your success as well. Yeah. Yeah. We celebrate a lot. Uh, I'm a lot like Patrick. I, I believe in feeding people and eating with me. I'm a, uh, I'm a quality time is my love language. Uh, so I'd like people to just hang out with me is what makes me feel good. So I just, you know, I, I figure everybody else is just like me. Right. So I, I want them to do the same things that I like. No, but we, we celebrate, we, we do monthly meetings. So we've, uh, we set, uh, we set our goals and, uh, Everybody knows what their part of reaching that goal is and when we get them, which is probably nine and a half out of ten times, we celebrate it. You know, we celebrate as a team. We have a, we have a good meal. Uh, my favorite, uh, we, when, we're, when you really know we had a good month, you'll see the barbecue firing up some carne asada and we'll be, we'll be out there jamming some music and having a good old time. So if you ever come by and it smells like carne asada, you know I had one hell of a month. We, we celebrate <laughs> I love good carne asada. Uh, Corey, how are, how are some of the ways that you guys are celebrating your success? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, I guess everybody's measures of success is different. I mean, right now, having grown each month that we've been in business, we can chalk that up as success. So let's, let's go back to the team atmosphere here. I mean, after, after work, I mean, even throughout the week on a Friday, we'll stay here. We'll have a pop together. Um, we, we will have a barbecue once every two weeks or so, and it just it, it makes you feel really included. Um, and then, yeah, of course, during these times, um, we will get a little sneak meeting in maybe, and uh, Mike will just reiterate on, on how well we are doing in the shop, what's, what's new between the two companies, and uh, on different ways to grow it. How do you guys think culture plays into... Um, when you guys are dealing with challenges, say you had a really bad month, you know, or uh, something horrible happened, like one of the vehicles in the back lot caught fire and yeah. exploded and melted two other cars. I think Funny. it's huge. I, um, I, uh, well, Kelly, you've been through something like that, haven't you? But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have bad times myself. Um, I come to work every day. And sometimes I'm, I'm not having a good time with something going on at home, something that's really bothering me. And it, it really, really, we have brewed such a culture in our shop that I've had guys come up to me, the, the boss, and be like, hey, man, are you okay? Like, you seem like your eye sockets are sunken a little bit. And I'll be like, yes, I am not okay. Help me, help, let me tell you what's going on. And then they'll give me, like, some basic advice. Like, I think when you're, when you're down, they pick you up. That's part of our mission values culture statement. We watch out for each other no matter what. Um, and, and that's, that's, I've seen that happen and it's, it's really heartwarming when it, 
when it does happen. When someone's slipping and falling, we will prop them up and help them recover. No matter what it is, even if it's personal, um, we're here to help you through it. So, I love that. Kelly? Well, I mean, I, I think um, we always try to focus on at least keep keeping the mindset on, on something positive. Like negative things always are going to happen. Um, but I mean, what I've found, generally speaking, is for every negative thing in our business, there's, you know, there's two, two plus positive things that I can think about, you know, and we don't hit every single goal, like every week, you know, um, and when we have those weeks where we don't hit any goal, well, something else happened that was positive. And so we try to keep, keep focused on, on the good things so that our, our attitude, you know, our, uh, the culture is, is, is healthy and not negative because i mean if i'm going to get negative and bummed out about something then then the whole sort of ship takes a nosedive um but you know then if everybody still keeps that positive attitude because they're you know they're thinking about the good things or you know next week is going to be better then they're they're coming in like what what can we do to, to fix this you know you have any ideas like one of my guys is is really creative and he'll just He'll come and be like, hey, I know we had a car count struggle this week. Like, let's whiteboard some ideas on, like, things we can do to get more cars in the door. Like, we need we need to get three more cars next week. So let's let's figure out what we need to do to get those three cars. Then we come up with a solution and, and implement it, and, and everybody is happy because of it. Awesome. Well, we're, we're getting to that point. I kind of want to start wrapping things up. Honestly, we, there was so much to cover with this culture. And if you guys got the show information, you see we only covered about half of it. Um, so we'll probably have to revisit this and get a little more detailed into, uh, you know, how you guys handle education, how you guys handle um, community programs, uh, how, you know, those types of things. But I'd love to get into final thoughts. And then uh, we'll wrap up for the day. Tom? Oh, final thoughts. So uh, shop owners and just people in the auto industry in a whole, I feel like there's a lot of us out there that just think that the industry is the industry. Like our culture is the culture. Um, there's nothing we can really do about that. Uh, there are, there's something you can do about everything. So my car counts low. I, it's, it's February. I'm just going to be slow. There's always something you can be doing. So I, I would hope that would be somebody's takeaway today that uh, if they don't really like the culture or know what their culture is in their shop, that they actually put some serious thought into that because that's kind of where the fun finally comes from. You know, I, I would, I think everybody would agree that everybody on this panel enjoys their job. And uh, unfortunately, the bulk of our industry doesn't get to say that. So, and uh, I feel like the culture that we've created in our businesses is, is one of the biggest players in, in us actually enjoying what we do. And imagine what our industry would do if we were all uh, getting to do what we get to want to do every day and uh, having a good time. I think it would just seriously uh, skyrocket our industry as a whole. So I would like to encourage everybody to put some focus in it and get after it. Awesome. Corey? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that culture is one of the biggest things for myself personally when I look at where I want to work because I don't only want to work somewhere. I want to feel valued. I want to be happy. And I, I haven't found that really until I came here. Um, I, I find that it's a really enjoyable working atmosphere and that makes me 
want to do more for the company. Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, you're saying like you take care of your people and then they'll take care of your, your clients. Um, I think that applies. It all starts with, with the leader and defining what, you know, what you want. I mean, it's like me, I want to come in every day. I, I started a shop not because I expected to make millions of dollars a year doing this, but because I enjoy, you know, I enjoy working on cars. I enjoy German brand cars. And I, this is just, it's what I wanted to do. It makes me happy coming in every day. And so uh, creating that culture is, is what keeps me wanting to do, you know, keeps me wanting to do what I do, but keeps everybody else wanting to do the same thing. Um, you know, and so really I think defining your why is, uh, is important and, you know, making sure that everybody on your, on your team kind of has, you know, has their why figured out too and that everybody's goals are aligned. So. I actually, actually in one of our team meetings, uh, I don't know, it was about a month ago, I had my whole team define what their personal whys are. That's honestly, knowing knowing where to start, you know, getting your why down, why you do what you do, that is such a crucial point in building on everything else, right? If you don't, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then why are you doing it, period, you know? Uh, Patrick, final thoughts? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, I think that human beings are are psychologically designed to to work or to, to live in small tribes. We've been doing it for thousands of years. Um, and if you don't have that culture feel at your shop, you're running around with a boat anchor tied to your ankle. I think if if you can accomplish those things in your shop, if you can build a tribe and build a, a family feel in your shop, it's there's the opportunities are endless for what you can really do. So I if you're not feeling that I would start looking into it. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't enjoy coming in, it's not fun working here. To be there, then either something that. has to change, <laughs> or you should work somewhere else. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Patrick, Tom, Kelly, Corey, for being on this episode. Um, I just want to go through this and and just say thank thank you guys so much. This culture is such a big, big deal in our industry, and I think the industry as a whole really needs to make a shift. Um, I think there's a lot of guys out there who are working their butts off and they're not happy, which to me, that's the biggest travesty of all is you guys are killing yourselves for something that you hate. Mm. Uh, and, and you could easily just make some minor changes and enjoy your life. Really, please enjoy your life. <laughs> um, you guys can check out other episodes uh, by going to the leading edge or excuse me, the institute's leading edge.pubby.com. Uh, you can also search us on Spotify and iTunes. Hi, Mike, at uh, just by looking at uh, the leading edge. Uh, actually, next next leading edge topic, I'm going to submit a couple in the Institute group. Uh, for those of you who don't are watching who aren't a part of that, you should totally join it. It's a great group of uh, top shop owners and as well as all of our consultants involved and trainers in the industry. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to put out some topics there and uh, I want you guys to pick what next what the topic for next episode is going to be. Uh, thank you guys very much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Join us next time in a discussion about the future of our industry with Todd Westerland, Charlie Burke, and Carm Capriato.
Subscribe at institutesleadingedge.podbean.com so you don't miss out. Or find us on Spotify and iTunes at The Leading Edge. Join the Institute group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.